that one more time. Good morning, Aldergrove. Good morning. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad to be with you on this morning. Um, one thing I want to say before I begin is I, I love preaching, and I love talking to people afterwards, and every once in a while, people will come up and they'll give feedback on a message, and I, um, yeah, it means a lot to me. One of the most significant things I can hear is someone tell me that God spoke to them through something I said. That means a lot to me. And, a, and one of the things that seems to have spoken louder than anything else I've said is this shirt. <laughs> the last time I wore this shirt, I had so many people come up and they're like, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, what's on your shirt? And the last time I wore this shirt was Easter. So no questions about like death, resurrection of Christ, shirt. So I think it's oranges. Some people say persimmons, some people say lemons. Any thoughts? Okay, I'm glad we were able to settle that. But this morning, it is Family Sunday, which means we've got kids in the service. So if you're a family with kids, welcome. If you are a kid, extra welcome. And if your child is a little younger, and they start to wiggle or make some noise, parents, relax. People sitting around them, relax. Jesus regularly brought kids into the middle of everything. And he said that the grown-ups could learn something from it. So that's why we do this. We do it, yes, we want to give our volunteers a week off, but I think it's important that we recognize that kids aren't the people we put out there. They're not the church of tomorrow, they're the young church of today. So families, kids, welcome. And because it is Family Sunday, we're going to do things a little bit different. So I need volunteers. I need four volunteers. I need, and this is going to make a huge sigh of relief, kid volunteers. All the grown-ups are like, oh, good, I don't have to be pressured. I need four kid volunteers who are willing to help me with a skit. Now, I'm going to spread it out. We've got one. <laughs> Come on up. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks. Um, I saw hands, left-hand side up on the end there. Excellent. That's two. Um, right-hand side, my right-hand side. Yep. That's three. And hand up there. No, no hand up there. All right, number four. All right, I'm going to get you guys. Can you all just kind of stand over here? Come on over here. Yep. So we've got one, two, three, four. So we don't want to overwhelm them. Why don't we, ever, we, just, we just wave and say hi? See, all these nice people are, are, are waving. So I'm going to ask you your real name, and then I'm going to give you a different name. Okay? So, what is your real name? Violet. Violet. How would you like to be Momgrit? Momgrit. Can you put that name tag on you? Okay. Thank you. And what's your name? Crew. Sorry? Crew. Crew. How would you like to be Richard? Sure. I love it. <laughs> Can you put that name tag on? Thank you. And what's your name? Isabella. Isabella. How would you like to be 
Eliza bus. <laughs> and what's your name? Jack. Jack. How would you like to be Benjamin? Okay. Excellent. So we have Benjamin, Eliza bus, Momgrit, and Richard. Excellent. So can you guys all stand over here? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe what's happening in the skit, and I want you to act it out. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to say something, and I want you guys to do it, okay? Everybody smiled. Everybody waved. Good. Everybody gave a thumbs up. Exactly. You guys know what you're doing. We've got the professionals. Okay, let's do this. So I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to tell you where to go and what to do. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Richard, and Richard was very rich. Richard loved to play video games. <laughs> Excellent. Richard had the best snacks. And Richard loved his trampoline. Excellent. So it was Richard's summer vacation, and Richard noticed at his house there was a note from his dad. Richard did not read this note. <laughs> There's a note from his dad. Richard did not read this note. But Richard was having a great time playing video games, eating snacks, and jumping on his trampoline. So Richard, can you sit here? Can you climb up there? Good job, Richard. Now, there was another boy who lived on the very same street named Benjamin. So Benjamin, he woke up and he came over here, and Benjamin, he saw a note from his mother, and Benjamin read the note. Good job, Benjamin. So Benjamin went outside and he sat on the bench. It was very hot. Yes, it was very, very hot. And Benjamin was so hungry. And Benjamin, it was right by the sewer, and so it smelled bad. And there were so many mosquitoes. So Benjamin was having a terrible time. But just across the street, he could see Richard having a wonderful time. So Richard was having a good day, and Benjamin was having a terrible day. But all of a sudden, along came Eliza bus, and she was driving a bus. Excellent. And Eliza bus said to Benjamin, are you ready for camp? And Benjamin said, yes. Yeah. And Eliza bus said, camp is amazing. We swim. We ride horses. <laughs> we cook s'mores by a fire. So come with me, let's go to camp. And Elizabeth and Benjamin drove away. <laughs> and then Momgrit came along, and Momgrit was Richard's mom. And Momgrit said to Richard, what are you doing? Did you read my note? You have to say, Did you read my note? You didn't read my note. Why? Didn't you get on the bus? And Richard, he went, oh, he didn't know what to say. And Momgrit said, 
you will get a job. You will pick berries. Can you tell them you gotta pick berries? Yeah. <laughs> and your back will hurt. Oh, his back. His back is gonna hurt. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Your back will hurt. It'll be very hot. Very hot, yes. And so, even though Benjamin was miserable, he had a great time at summer camp. And even though Richard had so many wonderful things, he spent the summer picking berries. And everyone ready? And scene. Let's give a bow. Excellent. Now, before you go, would you like to see a magic trick? Hey, presto. Thank you for your help. 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 This is for you if you want. You can give it to your, give it to your, your parents. <laughs> and sure, right now is a great time. So that's not exactly what we're talking about this morning. But it brings out a lot of the truths. See, right now we're going through a series as the grown-ups in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus is telling story after story after story to explain what it's like to know Jesus. What it's like to live in the place where his culture, or sorry, his character is the culture. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He says, it's like someone building a tower. It's like a woman who lost her paycheck. It's like salt. So he's telling stories, and there's, there's a whole range of people listening. There's people like Matthew Warnock would call sinners. <laughs> there's the Pharisees, who were like professional religious people, and there were the disciples, Jesus' students, and all of them were learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus. And in the parable today, Jesus tells us a story. See, last week, we he, Jesus talked about someone who got fired from his job, but he knew that money didn't make you a better person. It didn't last forever. He knew that it wasn't all just for him, and you can use it for eternity, but it can also become your master. So that's what we learned last week, and this week, Jesus tells a story about a man who has let money become his master. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 16, in your pew Bibles, if you want to use one of those, it's page 493. So while you turn, would you join me in prayer? So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray you would give us hearts like children to hear the truth of your word and understand what you're saying, and that we would receive easily from you what you have for us. Amen. So Luke 16 Verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Ew. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. 
So he called on him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the, fing- the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Now, we might not be impressed by this rich man. Is anyone here wearing something purple on their clothing? Look around, see if you can see anyone wearing purple. In Jesus' day, the most expensive clothing was purple. Only kings wore purple. So if you are wearing purple today, you are like a king or a queen. You are wearing the richest of the rich. And fine linen, it would have been nice and cool in a very warm climate. So this rich guy was really rich and he dressed to show it. His house was nice and he ate the best food. He lived in luxury, it said. So we'd imagine probably a spacious home, lots of entertaining eating out regularly, maybe catering parties, perhaps nice furniture, fun games, VR headsets. This guy was rich. But there's another guy who's really poor, and he's just outside the rich guy's house, and he was so hungry, he would have eaten anything. Didn't have to be the meal, could have been the leftovers, even the scraps, Even the stuff on the ground he would have eaten. You know the stuff you throw in compost and you take the green bin out? He would have loved to have eaten even that. And he he sits there just hoping for something, for someone. And it says, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And we have this beautiful picture of like golden retrievers. Like friendly, like a, a nice pet. But if you've ever been somewhere where dogs are scavengers, it's gross. It might be easier for us to understand the raccoons and squirrels and rats came and licked his scores. The scavengers, the low animals came. And he's sitting there, and he's the only person in all of Jesus' stories that has a name. And his name is Lazarus, which means God helps him. So you have a rich man whose life is amazing, and you have this poor man, and his name is God helps him. And he's lonely, and he's hungry, and he's sick. And that seems weird. Like, why is this guy the one that is named God helps him? We're going to come back to that. Just don't forget that part. So if we had to choose between the rich man and Lazarus, between Richard and Benjamin, whose life would we choose? Good food? good clothes, nice house, sickness, loneliness, and hunger. What if we form two lines? Where are we lining up? Richard, yes, 100%. This is where 
We drive our lives. We want the food, we want the clothing, we want the house. Nobody signs up for Lazarus. But it's not the end of the story. They both die, and it says the rich man was buried, buried, which means he has friends. He has people to do that, but it seems the poor man died alone, which is a terrible, terrible way to die. But even that's not the end of the story, because after death comes eternity. And eternity is a forever time when everything switches. See, the rich man who had a comfortable life, Richard, he goes off to pick berries. He goes off to something that is not comforting. And the poor man, he goes off to hang out with Abraham and he receives comfort. And the reason is very surprising. The first couple times I read this, I assumed the message was one of two things. That the rich man should have been generous or that the rich man was wicked. And it doesn't say either of those things. Abraham gives the reason that this happens. He says, don't you remember that in your life you received your good things, but Lazarus received bad things? And that's it. That seems to be the reason. And so Richard had a tough eternity, whereas Benjamin went off to a wonderful one. Now, a life feels like a long time. I'm going to see if I can do this without spilling. A life feels like a long time, which makes sense because none of us have lived any longer than we've lived. The life is the longest thing we've experienced. And sometimes there's good things, and sometimes there's bad things in life. And so many of us, we work so hard to get a nice set of clothes, to go out for those nice meals, to be, maybe be able to eat out a few times a week, not just on special occasions. We want not just a condo, but a house. Not just a house, but a house with a yard. And, and we seek to fill our lives with good things, and it feels like the good things will never end. And yet sometimes in life, there's tough things. There's times where we feel alone. There's times where maybe we feel hungry. There's times where there's things that we not only want, but we need, and we just can't seem to get them. And our life can feel like it's filled with suffering. And see, we feel like the good will last forever, and we feel like the bad will never end. But this is only a life. See, what comes after life, Jesus says, is much longer and much more important. What comes after is eternity. So if this is a life, eternity, well, like eternity is forever. It's not just really big, it's forever. So how do you think of forever? We can think of something really big, but it's hard to think of forever. So eternity is like, well, that's not it. Eternity, no, that won't do. See, if this is life, eternity, I got it. I have an idea. 
but I'm going to need some help. Unfortunately, we're all out of magic. But I have a friend, Darcy, and Darcy is very good at a certain kind of magic. So I'm going to see if I can call Darcy to give me a hand. Quiet, please. Hey, Darcy! Didn't work. Okay, so kids, I don't think Darcy can hear us. So I need you to help me. On the count of three, we're going to say, hey, Darcy, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Hey, Darcy! Hey, guys! Darcy! John! Darcy, we're talking about eternity! Wow, okay, that's huge. Massive! Do you think you can help us out? I think I have just the thing. Give me one sec. Oh, thanks, Darcy. Oh, this. Okay, now I'm just gonna check the. Okay, yeah, good, good. Oh, there it is. I found it. Okay, just gotta plug this into this, and we're good to go. You ready? I'm ready, Darcy. Have fun. Thanks, Darcy. Darcy. Darcy, it's not working. John, did it, did it work? No. John? Oh, I forgot. Just gotta push this button here. Eternity. See, a life feels really long, and that makes sense. It's the whole time we've been alive. You know, we've got the things that happened before, we've got the stuff happening now, and we've got the stuff that's still to come. And this stuff is all really, really important, but it's not all there is. Jesus says that, that our lives impact eternity. And as big as our life is, eternity is so, so much bigger. And so don't forget that this is your life, but it's just the beginning of your long, long story. Um, yeah, I gotta get back. I'll see you soon. Now, I'm gonna need Darcy's help for, for this again, so... Hey, Darcy! I don't know if you can hear me all the way out here. Kids, can you help me one more time? You ready? Three, two, one. Hey, Darcy! Well, hello again. Dude, I need to get back. Can you give me a little more movie magic? You betcha. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I had to drive fast. I was at the beach. I was actually, you saw it. That's why Darcy is such a good friend. That I got to go to the beach and eat fish and chips right now. But see, this is a life. And we get so concerned about what fills this. And Jesus says that, that the things that are good don't last forever. And the things that are bad, they don't stick around. But what happens with our life, it impacts eternity. And so what does that mean for us? What is this story teaching? See, one truth in this parable is that God's justice will make things right. Which means when you are living a Lazarus kind of life, and this isn't fair, and that's not fair, and this shouldn't have happened, and that shouldn't have happened, and it's true, things aren't fair. But the story of Lazarus, the story of God helps him, is that God will make things right in the end. Even if your life is filled with sorrow, things will be made right in the end. God's justice will prevail. And that's part of it. See, this parable was about one person that had far more than they needed and another person who never had enough, and that's not fair. Maybe you've experienced something similar, and maybe someone you know has. But this parable reminds us that God makes the things that are wrong, he makes them right. And that's good news. But I see in myself the rich man where I'm the most important person and money is the most important thing. And I find myself so often living like I'm the most important person in the whole world, which I think is what the problem with the rich man was. I don't think it was a problem that he was rich. His richness distracted him from reality. I think that was the problem. And sometimes I'm distracted from reality as well. So if I've been selfish, if I've been like the rich man, and if you're like me and you've been selfish too, does that mean that we need to worry like we'll end up like the rich man? And the answer is that God's justice will make the wrong things right, but God's grace is at work too. See, the rich man, he recognizes what he should have done differently. In verse 30, he, he asks Abraham, he says, can you send Lazarus to my brothers so that they will repent? And repent simply means to acknowledge that I've been living like I'm the most important person and to admit that that's wrong. And so he asks Lazarus, or sorry, he asks Abraham to send Lazarus and he kind of asks for the Christmas carol story. Does everyone know Scrooge? Who, do, who visited Scrooge? Ghosts, started by Jacob Marley. 
someone who had already passed on who came back to warn Scrooge. And then there's Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, and then Tiny Tim, God bless us everyone and everything's happy. And that is what the rich man wants. He says, hey, can you do it, Jacob Marley? And Abraham says, no, it won't help. Because if they have this, they have enough. Jacob Marley won't make a difference. That's weird. We're like, is, is that actually the case? Uh, we we're not going to look into it, but in John chapter 11, a man named Lazarus dies and comes back, and people still don't believe. So Abraham says, you have enough. So our lives impact eternity. So what do we do? Well, we repent. We acknowledge to God the wrong that we've done. Jesus came to earth to point out the wrong ways in which we live, but also to teach us the right way to live. And we can learn what not to do from the rich man. It's not bad to be rich, but it's dangerous. You, you can be tempted to feel like the good things last forever. And that's not the case. They forget to check the notes. In 1 Timothy 6, it says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, for eternity, for the forever time so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And you might sit there this morning and say, how do I know if I'm rich? I would say, here's a helpful way to think about it. If you have choice in your housing, your clothing, and your food, you're rich. If you have choice in those three things, and so how many of us could choose within a degree of where we live, could choose what we want to wear and could choose what we eat? If that's the case, we're rich. So do not put your hope in wealth. It doesn't last forever. Instead, do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. But it's not just about the right living and the right doing, because I don't always get that right. It's about believing who Jesus says, that Jesus is who he says he is. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He's the example for how we can live. And yet he, he was killed on a cross, but three days later, he rose again. And when that happened, he paid the justice price for sin, he defeated the power of death, and he invites us into a better eternity. In John 3.16, it simply says this, that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. They won't wind up like Richard or the rich man, but instead they'll have eternal life, like Benjamin and Lazarus. When we repent and perish, or sorry, repent and believe, we are welcomed into a different kind of eternity. Life seems long, but it's just the beginning of our long, long story. So we see this in the life of Lazarus, that that which was wrong was made right in the end. Now, how many people think summer camp with swimming Horseback riding and s'mores sounds great. I think that sounds pretty cool. How many people think being comforted by Abraham is amazing? 
You're like, ah, oh, like, I guess. He's not being mean to you. But it's not a super robust picture being comforted by Abraham. So what I want to do is I want to give a better picture, a fuller picture of heaven. And I've kind of pulled this from all throughout the Bible. It's not everything, but it's some of the things that I've learned to treasure. In heaven, we will have a body like ours, but different. It's as similar as an apple seed is to an apple tree. Of the same kind, but its fullest, best picture. Which means that I, in heaven, will not have asthma. I will run for miles. I will not need glasses. I will not have a peanut allergy. I will not have long COVID. See, in heaven, the wrong is made right. And I'm really excited about the peanut allergy being gone because there's going to be eating and drinking and feasts in heaven. And I'm going to have a peanut butter cookie. They don't seem that great, but maybe. There'll be loads of people there from every country, from every culture, and speaking every kind of language, which makes me hope that at least some of those meals are potlucks, because that would be fantastic. There won't be sickness or death or sadness. There will be animals. There will be treasure for us and homes. All the people who have walked with Jesus before us will be there. There will be peace between God and us, us and each other, us and creation, and us and ourselves. There will be travel. We'll be able to ask all our questions, or we'll know the answers to all our questions, or it won't matter. There will be worship and knowing God face to face, we will finally have enough time. God will comfort us. Personally, I think there will be work. There was work in Eden before the fall. I think the idea of heaven where we just sit sounds boring. So maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's something good and godly in work. And so in heaven, I want to be a medical doctor. There's no sickness, so maybe not great job security. <laughs> but that's okay. I, I want to I be a medical doctor. I want to be a musician. I can't sing. I want to sing. I want to be a mechanic. I want to be a chef. I want to be a linguist and a woodworker. I want to be a pilot and a cheesemaker. And in heaven, I'll be able to do all of those things. I, I have to be honest, I have literally started a to-do list for heaven because there are so many amazing things in this world I just can't do. And I think in heaven, we will be able to do these things. And of course, cherry on top of it, Abraham. He's going to be there. And I'm sure that will be great too, but i got to be honest, that's not my selling point. But see, that's a picture of heaven. That's, that's what I hang on to. See, we're living our lives, and we feel like they last forever. But Jesus says this is important and it impacts your eternity. So use this to impact eternity well. So what kind of eternity is your life leading towards? 
And Jesus invites us into the best one. So if you've never prayed before, I would invite you to pray with me now. It's not a magic spell. It's not the words you say. But the words give expression to a heart of faith. And so if you have never prayed before, I would invite you to pray with me. And if you are a Christian, if you walk with Jesus, I would invite you to pray again. Because we understand it's not one and done. This is a lifestyle. That we walk with Jesus, we learn how to be like him, and we do what we're put on this earth to do. So I'm going to invite the band up. I would, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. So Jesus, we just acknowledge that there's times where you have lived as though we're the most important person. That money is the only thing, and all of it's for me. So Jesus, where we have been selfish, where we have chosen the wrong, please forgive us. We believe that you are who you say you are, that you died and you rose again. We want to walk with you and learn from you how to be like you. We pray that you would teach us what that means. So Jesus, please forgive us. We believe in who you are. And we commit to walk our lives with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and it was the first time, that's the beginning of a journey with Jesus. And I'd love to talk to you about that. We also have prayer teams that are going to be at the front here, here, and in the back there. And they would love to talk to you as well. Or instead, you don't have to talk to everyone. Just talk to someone. But if you prayed that prayer for the second or fifth or 100th time, just remember that that the good doesn't last forever. The bad will come to an end. And eternity is so, so much bigger. Worship team, would you lead us?